Brethren, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound came from heaven like the rush of a mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing and resting upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one had heard them speaking in his own language. Then they were amazed and wondered, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, and Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Peace be to you, the reader. St. John, let us be attentive. Glory to you, O Lord, glory to you. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and proclaimed, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, which those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When they heard these words, some of the people said, This is really the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the Scripture said that the Christ is descended from David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. 
The officers then went back to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Are you led astray, you also? Have any of the authorities or of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd who do not know the law are accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before, and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and you will see that no prophet is to arise from Galilee. And Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Peace be to you who proclaims the gospel. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit is in our midst. Today is a celebration. Today we are celebrating that day on which the apostles received the Holy Spirit. This was the moment that they had been waiting for anxiously since they watched their Lord and Savior ascend into the heavens. They felt, as the hymn said on Ascension, as though they were orphans. And then the Holy Spirit came. They were praying together in a room, as it says in the Acts of the Apostles, and a great wind rushed through. Wind, of course, in Greek, also means spirit, pnevma. So this wind rushed through, and the Apostles received that great fire and the Holy Spirit. And as the Apolitikia in the main hymn of Pentecost says, He made the fishermen most wise. Now fishermen in Galilee were not learned people. They were people that worked with their hands that had no education whatsoever. Have you ever thought of this when you're reading the epistles of St. Peter, the epistle of St. James, when you're reading the Gospel of John? Have you thought of this? These words with great spiritual wisdom that give us everything of who Christ is, who our Lord is, were given to them because clearly they were not taught by man. Clearly they were not. Today is the first time in 50 days that we will kneel. It's also the first time in 50 days that we will say that prayer at the beginning of the Trisagion prayer. Before we say the Lord's Prayer, we say, Heavenly King, Comforter, the Spirit of Truth. Each time that we pray the Lord's Prayer in our daily prayers, we begin it in that way, with that prayer. The prayer in its entirety goes, O Heavenly King, Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, who are everywhere present and filling all things, the treasury of good things and the giver of life. Come and abide in us. Cleanse us from every impurity and save our souls, O good one. 
Now there aren't too many prayers to the Holy Spirit. Most of our prayers we pray to God, the Father, or to Jesus Christ. But this is one prayer. And it's a prayer that we say day in and day out. Every time that we say the Lord's Prayer, which should be every day, we begin with this prayer to the Holy Spirit. Much of what we know about the Holy Spirit is from the Gospel of John, and especially from chapters 14 through 17, that long monologue of Christ in which he describes the Holy Spirit, whom he will send after his ascension. So today I'd like to explain a little bit about this important prayer that we say so frequently, because it really is essential to our understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. The very beginning is Heavenly King, Vasilev Oranie. And this shows us that the Holy Spirit is fully God. Because who is Heavenly King? Only the Creator of the universe. The Trinitarian God. God the Father is Heavenly King. God the Son is Heavenly King. And God the Holy Spirit is Heavenly King. And so in that simple phrase, we see that the Holy Trinity, that the Holy Spirit is a part of the Holy Trinity. The Holy Spirit is fully God with the Father and the Son. The next word of the prayer is comforter, paraklite. Now this is a very rich word in Greek. Paraklite, paraklitos means sort of two different meanings. On the one hand, it means a comforter, a consoler, a supporter. And on the other hand, it also means an advocate, an intercessor, a spokesperson, if you will. So both of these meanings are within that word. In English, you kind of have to pick a word, and so we say comforter. But it really is both of these things. The Holy Spirit is, on the one hand, the one that consoles us that gives us consolation. When we are in times of lowness, the Spirit of God, the grace of God, comes to us through the Holy Spirit and consoles us, gives us support. On the other hand, the Holy Spirit is that advocate for us, is working for our cause, is an intercessor for us, a spokesperson for us. This is the same word where we get the, the word paraklesis, the paraklesis service, the paraklesis to the Theotokos, or to a saint. Paraklesis means intercession, intercessory prayer, or supplicatory prayer. At any rate, it is this word that gives us that meaning of both a comforter and also an advocate. This is the Holy Spirit. And our Lord says in John chapter 14, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. This is the Comforter that has come to us on this day of, of Pentecost. And the next words of the prayer are the Spirit of Truth. And again in the Gospel of John, our Lord says, When the Comforter comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. 
The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. What does this mean? As we recall, famously, Pontius Pilate said, What is truth to our Lord? What is truth? Truth means revealing reality. That's what truth is. Showing things as they truly are. Not in the way that we imagine them. Not in the way in which our ego distorts things and sees ourselves as this or that greatest thing. Or the ways in which our passions further distort things. Or the ways in which sin in the world further distorts. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us the glasses of reality. To see the truth as it is. To see ourselves as we are, as broken and weak and enslaved by the passions and in need of God. And also to see others as they truly are, with compassion, with love for them, rather than anger or frustration or envy or malice. Again in the Gospel of John, our Lord says, It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You see, the Holy Spirit is showing the truth. He says, of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit is the one that shows us the ruler of the world for what he really is. A deceiver, a divider, a liar from the beginning, a chief of liars. This is given to us by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals everything for what it is. The next part of the prayer says, Who are everywhere present and filling all things. This is a great consolation to us. This is a phrase that we should just emblazon into our minds. The Holy Spirit, God Himself, is everywhere present and filling all things. Put another way, can we escape from God, from God's love? We can't. God's love is everywhere for us to see. God is everywhere. It reminds me of Psalm 139 where it talks about if I should flee to the ends of the earth, lo, you would be there. If I should make my bed in Hades, lo, you would be there. This is a great consolation because we don't believe in a God who is removed. We're not deists. So often Western Christianity falls into deism. God created the world and then he went back up into heaven and is just kind of watching the clock work. He made the clock and now he's just going to watch it. This is not what we believe. God, through the Holy Spirit, is actively working in our lives day in and day out. And in the lives of every single person. In the Apostica of the Kneeling Vespers, the service that we'll have after liturgy today, one of the hymns says, The comforting Spirit has been poured out on all flesh. So who's received the Holy Spirit? All flesh. Everything. Everyone and everything. So every person that you interact with is a bearer of the Holy Spirit. Every living thing that you interact with is a bearer of the Holy Spirit. Does that change the way that we interact? Absolutely. 
Now, of course, I need to qualify that to say that what we receive at baptism is yet another great gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's not as though everything is equal. There are many ways in which the Holy Spirit pours forth itself. But first and foremost, we see in this hymn, the Holy Spirit is everywhere present and filling all things. The next it says, the treasury of good things. So, thesavros ton agathon. Treasury of good things. We get gifts. God, in His abundance of love, wants to give us gifts. And many gifts. And has given us so many gifts that we don't even know them yet. We haven't even comprehended all the gifts that God has given us. This is a part of what our spiritual life is, is slowly seeing and realizing the gifts that God has given us so that we can in turn give thanks to God because these gifts are totally unmerited. And so the treasury of good things is the Holy Spirit. The source of these good things that we receive in our life is through the Holy Spirit. As St. James says in his epistle, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. All good things come from God. All good things come from God. If we have an experience of goodness, of love, of beauty, of truth, it's an experience of God. And it is to God that we should give thanks. Next we say, and giver of life. Jesuis Horigos. The Holy Spirit is the breath of our Lord. When it says in Genesis that He breathed on them, this was the Holy Spirit. He breathed life. And we receive our life. And in Greek, this is even closer again because breath and spirit are the same word. So we receive that breath, that spirit, that wind of the Holy Spirit, and this is what gives us life. Because life is a gift. We have to remind ourselves we're not self-created. We could say that again and again. We're not self-created. But we go through our lives thinking of ourselves as self-created. I made myself this. I did that. I did this. I accomplished that. I, I, I. And all of this is a denial of the fact that God has given us our very breath, our very life, without our asking for it. We didn't get to pick whether we exist. God created us. So life is a gift, and that extends down to every single breath that we take. Not just in the broad sense of, oh, I exist and God created me. But every breath that we have, the span of our lives is given by God. The beginning of our life is given by God. The end of our life is given by God. And every breath in between. So truly, every day we can say, thanks be to God, another day lies before me. So all of that was the preamble of the prayer. Heavenly King, Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, who are everywhere present and filling all things, the treasury of good things and giver of life. This is all just describing the Holy Spirit. Now we get to the meat. What comes next? The verb. Come and abide in us. Now we are asking. We say all of these things describing the Holy Spirit, and then we say what we need. Come, abide in us, live in us. That word skinoson, which is translated as abide, or to dwell in us, 
That's the same root as the word tabernacle. So the tabernacle from the Old Testament is the dwelling place of God. And in, on the transfiguration, when the, the glory of the Lord was revealed to the three disciples, Peter, Paul, and John, or Peter, James, and John, um, Peter was in awe. What does he say? Let's build three tabernacles. Triskinas, the same word. Build three tabernacles. Because this is truly the dwelling place of God. But what are we saying in this? Dwell in us. You could say tabernacle in us. That's what we're asking God to do. The Holy Spirit to do. Is to dwell in us. To make us living tabernacles of the living God. Cleanse us from every impurity. Ultimately, this is what we desire from the Holy Spirit. To be cleaned out. I've talked about our soul as that dirty garage that's full of stuff. And it needs to be emptied out. This is what we're asking of the Holy Spirit. Do the spring cleaning of my soul perpetually so that I have room for God, so that my soul is not just filled by my desires and wants and needs and passions and selfishness, but rather my, holy, my soul is filled by the Holy Spirit, is filled by God. And this can only happen in as much as we are cleansed of impurity, in as much as it's cleaned out of the things that take us away from God. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, our Lord says, The Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. How can we be cleansed unless we know what clean looks like? And so the Holy Spirit gives this to us. The Holy Spirit reveals to us our sins so that we can then beseech God for His healing. And finally, the last phrase of the prayer. And save our souls, O good one. This is our ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal is to be saved. And you see how we have this preamble, and then we have these three requests. Come, abide in us, cleanse us from every impurity. And the result of that, save us. Through this, through the Holy Spirit coming to us and abiding us and cleansing us from every stain, this will bring about our salvation. And only this will bring about our salvation. Nothing else will. We must seek the Holy Spirit at all times. So a little, little confession here. These are the very first words that most of us say in our prayers. How often do we rush right through them? Sometimes we rush all the way through the Lord's Prayer. But think about that. How often these are the words that we just rattle off, off of memory, without even thinking about it. I confess that for myself. Perhaps you relate to that. This prayer is of great spiritual depth and meaning. This prayer is a prayer that needs to be savored. So when we begin our prayers, instead of making this that thing that we rush through until we start getting into our prayers, do some prostrations. Take a moment, pause, look at the icons, and then say this prayer. Because the key to our salvation lies in this very prayer. Come, abide in us, cleanse us from every impurity, and save our souls. Through the Holy Spirit, 
and his continual work in our lives, may we be saved. Amen.